Grace loves to organize and I was just watching the home edit and I was like, it's a very calming show because I'm never going to be that organized, but it's nice to watch them do it. And I was like, my two-year-old niece needs to work for them because Grace sees something out of place and she'll come in a room and she'll go, uh-oh. <laughs> You're like, what is it? What is it? <laughs> What's happened? <laughs> and it's generally a coaster. That's hilarious. She, she's all about preserving heart surfaces from water stains. She's my father. Um, and then she puts her water baby water cup on the coaster. On top of no, I know, Sarah. You would love this kid. She's crazy organized, super fun, loves the football, jumps into the air and hopes someone catches her. I'm like, oh, I've caught her like 10 times. Anyway, sorry. I'm just trash. I know 10 this- times out of how many? <laughs> hey, everyone. It's Friday, October 30th, 2020, and you're listening to Ukirk Atlanta Presents, the Ukirk Atlanta Podcast. This week, Reverend Sarah Hooker and Drew Wilmisher are joined by Sarah Lear, Director of Youth and Youth Families at First Presbyterian Church in Dallas, Texas. Pastors, kids. So, like, we've had how many sermons preached about us without? Do you get a heads up for that? Do you get a heads up for that? Does your parent say like this is going to happen? Um, I it did as I got older. I got more heads up. Uh, I think it was. It's kind of like Instagram and Facebook now. Like parents putting up pictures of their kids. Like that was our version of it. You know, it was like we were sermon illustration fodder and we just kind of knew in the background of everything we did. Yeah. And so, and so in our family, it was kind of like, all right, if this becomes a sermon illustration, we got to do something now to prevent that from happening. And so we do something crazy and be like, good luck using that in your sermon, dad. Good luck talking about that one, mom. <laughs> the best one is there were three of us and like... I learned very quickly, like, just, just ignored, like, whatever. Mom's gonna do sermons about us for forever. Um, So I just, like, phased him out. Um, For my brother, who's, like, 18 months younger than me, um, he's, like, a stickler. He's, like, truth has to be told. He's a truth teller, like, accuracy is important for him and my mom my mom is like she's a three if that helps you in enneagram so she's gonna tell the best story ever so and, and the best based on minis- that and the best version that she can think of that story in her head and so she'd be up there like you know fish talking these stories about our lives and <laughs> her children and my brother would be like that wasn't it <laughs> That's not what happened. That's not what happened. He's like, if you're going to tell a story about me, at least tell the truth. That wasn't even our family. <laughs> that was the plot of Home Alone. You just told the plot of Home Alone as if it were our story. Mm-hmm. Mom, people have seen that movie. Welcome, Sarah Lear, <laughs> to our podcast, Ukirk Podcast. Um, our yeah. very professional 
highly efficient. Crazy profesh. Crazy professional. Greased up podcasting machine. That's what we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're glad you could join us today. If you could introduce yourself, to, uh, just say who you are, where do you live, what do you do, um, and then we'll chat. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm Sarah Lear. I'm the director of uh, youth and their families at First Presbyterian Church of Dallas. Uh, we are right in the middle of downtown Dallas, Texas. And um, yeah, so that's where I live. I am an Arkansan. So I say that I'm an Arkansan living in Texas. Um, so I'm pretty proud of my Arkansas roots. Um, and I've served churches in Arkansas and Texas. Um, I know Sarah through um, our time in seminary. And um, yeah, I don't know what else you want me to say. Like my favorite animal is a narwhal. My favorite color is glitter. So I that's mean, a good favorite animal. Yeah. Is glitter a color? Tis. Um, so <laughs> on on the color wheel, on the rainbow, you know, Roy yeah. G. Biff. It's all of is that the G? Is that your G? Is is it red, orange, blue, glitter? It's it's its own beautiful creation. Go, Violet. It's <laughs> like the the rainbow em envelops it. Um, so that's that's a little bit about me. I don't know what else you want to know, that's a, but that's a great that's a great favorite color is glitter. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, glitter and the actual unicorn of the sea. Yeah, it's Which, technically a tooth, but it's fine if you say it's a horn. It does. It feels weird to say unicorn of the sea as if there's another unicorn that it's competing with on land or air. Yeah. Like it's the it's the only one. <laughs> that you know of. That, that I know we of. know of. <laughs> so we could just call Scotland it. Scotland would argue unicorn. with you on that one. Well, but they're just argumentative. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm making a lot of fans. You uh, are friends a, lot, and fans. a lot of leaps of logic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Sarah, you and I know each other from a very long time. Mm -hmm. Like too long sometimes. <laughs> right. Like 15 years. Oh my gosh, stop it. I know. Whew. Um, yeah, almost 15 years. Um, you are uh, not something that I have always admired about you is you're like Presbyterian royalty, I feel like. Thank everyone you. I talk to knows you. Like everyone knows Sarah Lear. Sarah Lear is big oh. in the PCUSA world, at least in my PCUSA world. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I suddenly feel wildly underdressed. Because I, <laughs> I wore a ball gown. <laughs> yep. We got pearls. We got tiaras. <laughs> yeah. None of you can see. None but... of you can see. It. Theater of the mind. Uh, it's ball gowns, tiaras, and I'm wearing a barrel with a couple of suspenders <laughs> over my shoulders. Just for those listening at home. That's those true. who cannot see. Um, uh, but... You are not uh, an ordained pastor. Can you talk That's, a little bit about your call to ministry and why that looks different than uh, some of the others of us who do this work? Yeah. So um, 
the it's an interesting conversation that I've had over the years after graduating. So I graduated from Columbia Seminary with two degrees in theology, um, one in theological studies and then a master of theology. And at the time, I did not feel called to be ordained. Um, over the years, I've kind of felt a little bit like the Holy Spirit's like, hey, you could do this and be ordained and stuff. Um there are a lot of great gigs out there for people who are ordained and, and that doesn't always include those of us who are not. So there's some part of the system there that that does exist, right? Like there, anybody that's gone through this process, you can see that pretty clearly. Um, I didn't feel I needed to be ordained to do what I do. And so over the years that has stayed the same pretty much. Mm -hmm. And um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting evolution to be where I am now because I talk about it as a call and people do not question me on it. I just have a sense of confidence about it, I think, but, but um, I just, I, because it is a call like to not be ordained to do church work because church work is hard y'all and professional mm -hmm. ministry is hard. And um, so I didn't feel like I needed that. Um, I'm envious of my ordained friends because you get to baptize the people and um, you have the magic hands when you break the bread. You have the crazy magic hands. Yeah. And I, I appreciate the magic hands. Um, so it just didn't feel part of my journey. And um, now I'm doing, uh, I'm in the middle of my doctoral program at Columbia and um, in educational ministry, and the cool thing about it is that, uh, and Kathy Dawson talks about this, and Dr. Hong, um, it's they. This particular program that they have is for people who are educators and not ordained, right? And so mm -hmm. our cohort in particular is pretty ecumenical, which is mm -hmm. awesome. Um, and I really have had, I don't know, I. I get to be a part of this program that's been really wonderful for me and helped me identify my call even more as a practical theologian. Mm -hmm. um, so I get to do education, but I consider myself a practical theologian focused on justice. Um, and I do things with an activist lens. So anyway, throughout all of that, yeah, it's just been different. And, you know, some of my closest friends, some of my best friends are chaplains and campus pastors and, um yeah who do like work for the presbytery and um do the whole like um writing and teaching thing and don't work in a parish so i think what's interesting about your question sarah is like over the last 15 years from when we were at columbia and i'm not speaking yeah. out of school i think columbia knows this oh. <laughs> but but they were training and if they don't we're going to tell them right now <laughs> correct they were training people to be pastors and yeah. there were people in our classes who were very who were camp people right yep. and campus ministry people and people like chris who were like academic and theologians yep. and so there were people that who were not going into parish you could you could see that um, and some people who were like, I'm never doing parish ministry and have now done it for 10 plus years. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so the Holy Spirit works like that, right? She's yep. like, just kidding. Um, I'm gonna move you over here. Uh, you so yeah, we're going to do this and now you're not. 
Yeah. So I just think yeah. it's, it's been flexible, right? Like it's just part of the deal is that I've kind of listened to what the next move is. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing that because there, um, there are some of our students um, at Ukirk Atlanta. There are other college students, um, even seminary students that I've talked to that are discerning a call to ministry, but yeah. are like, I don't want to work in a congregation. Like, I don't want to be a pastor. So yeah. do I have to go to seminary to do that? Like, what are my options? Like, I want to do church work, but I don't want to be ordained. And so like, it's this weird thing that like, that the church is catching up on. Like, we don't really know <laughs> where to put those people or how to educate those people. Yeah. Um, and so I appreciate your story of being like, look, I knew from the beginning and look how far you've gone to like, and it's not like somebody along the way, or like you even had that. And then the spirit, I, I listened to the Holy spirit and I recognized that I was indeed called to, cause that's what you hear. Those are the stories you hear. And um, sure. you know, people are like, I didn't want to go into church work, but here I am. Um, well, and that's fair too, right? Like, right. I mean, that happens, but it, sure. it, it is definitely for those that are, those that are sensitive call and like your students in particular, I have a policy that I never tell college students or high school students that they should go into ministry. <laughs> so I do in that. Your students. Thank you. For that, by the way. <laughs> and it's because I ended up at seminary my first year in the MDiv program. And I think it's before we met Sarah and yeah. Cause and you were there, you were a year ahead of me. Yeah. And, um, I was in Greek and I did the thing and taking Greek was great and got to hang out with some awesome people and, um, and, you know, great friendships in that summer. It's like summer camp, but you're in this really intensive summer camp where there's a big test at the end and you're all freaking out every day. Um, but I just, I, I loved the camaraderie and I loved what I was learning and I'm really, I'm academic and deeply theological and, I'm really more doctrinal than I probably want to admit. Um, and in that, you know, I was told I, by somebody who shall remain nameless at the seminary was like, you should go to seminary. And I was like, okay. Um, but I don't think that's the best <laughs> idea. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you should not do that. So what I do now is I tell people younger than I am, I'm like, look, I can sense that this might be a thing for you. I can feel the, I like to call it like the lavender light of the Holy spirit. I can yep. see it. Like you're good at this. Right. Or like yep. maybe you look into a religion class or three, mm -hmm. um, but it ain't going to be Start easy. Exploration. Right. And it ain't going to be easy. And it sometimes is lonely and hard mm -hmm. and your colleagues really make it beneficial and incredible um and that and and they're the people that you call on like a really hard thursday afternoon and they're like right. i can't i can't i can't <laughs> this person said this thing to me in line and i cannot <laughs> um yeah. so that's that's the thing is that if you feel called like just know that it's not it is not all like preaching sermons and hanging out <laughs> like, 
just people adore you and come by and give you roses at your office door. Um, but Speak for yourself. <laughs> there's so many different ways to serve that are not like in, you know, parish ministry. And I think you're right. right. Like that's a long-winded way of me saying, I think the church is catching up um, and seminaries. Some seminaries have been better about that than others. Sure. Right. Like Union and Seminary in New York, for instance, is like, you want to be a public theologian? Here's how we're going to make that happen. Right. Um, but I think, I think we've been a little behind in the denomination. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and I, I think it's, it's too, it's, um, I feel when we were in seminary, which is, as we said earlier, 15 years ago now. <laughs> All right. I get it. You both have a history and a past I'll never be able to catch up to. Super fun. I can give you pictures later, Drew. So you no, feel we're like just old. We're, no, what we're just <laughs> okay. saying is we're old. We're old. We're old. Yeah, we're old. We're very old. And um, uh, going on a mortal. But like the big thing was like <laughs> tent making. So it was like you can have yes. another career, but you're also a pastor. So it's like you have these two identities somehow you have to make work and the schedule and like your understanding of calling but mm -hmm. it's congregational ministry and something else like so right you do these tent making you're in the you're in the church but then you're also called to another job and so somehow you have to make 20 or 30 or 40 hours at each of those jobs work together in your life and your family's life um right or we just start pastor. paying people better <laughs> whoa <laughs> Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't mess, don't mess with the money. And rule number one. Right, right. Which I always find so strange that we're getting deep in the, we're getting deep in the weeds here now. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> um, like, edit this out. It's so weird to me because like the Presbyterian church is huge on like ordination and calling for different mm -hmm. roles. Right. So we have one ordination, right? Yep. Deacons, elders, ruling elders and teaching elders or ministers of word and sacrament, whatever we're calling ourselves these days. Um, pastors. So like, and, and it, for those that love our reformed Presbyterian polity, like this is super important to them. <clears throat> My father-in-law, um, like we have one <laughs> nation, love him. Um, but, uh, and so it's like, we all have different callings, but, but folks who want to explore those in deeper settings, mm -hmm. like in educational settings, like a seminary or to become public theologians or other types of uh, learned things, um, which require further study, um, are like, if you want to do that, you, it's like the church for so long has just been like, well, that's only for the pastors, like, teaching the teaching right. elders ministers right. of word yeah. sacrament right. mm -hmm. ruling elders and deacons you know yeah you have the same ordination but you don't have to have special anything training whatever but and those are for very specific roles usually mm -hmm. in a congregational setting yes important higher-ups in the church but like you know it's like you get the you get to be the alternate perspective <laughs> because the pastor doesn't actually have time to 
participate in normal society. <laughs> and I think as the I think as the world changes and our country changes, I think and the institution changes, that's yeah. going to shift, right? Like oh, I yeah. think it has to, or we die. It has to. Right? It has to. Mm-hmm. It has to. And and that's part of it. like the interesting thing about being a practical theologian. I just had this discussion with somebody the other day about educator versus Christian educator and practical theologian and mm. how that has that um, dynamic has shifted over time when they were in seminary and which they're like older than me. Right. So yeah. things have shifted along the way. Um, but I find, I find that the church is figuring out maybe slowly mm-hmm. that they, that being nimble and being flexible are the way forward. Right. Yeah. Like for so mm-hmm. long, it's been, these are our things. And as Reformed people, we do that really well. <laughs> yeah, we like our things. We like our things in a certain place. <laughs> but, you know, like the world is not going to sit around and and be the, it's not the 1960s church, right? Like it's the right. same, it's the same with Christian education, right? Like you can't, the curriculum isn't the same. The way we write isn't the same the way we disseminate information is right. not the same. And the pandemic has highlighted that. Yeah, what's been sustainable versus what desperately needs to change. Right. Yeah. This has been a fun conversation on the exploration of call, which I appreciate. I, you know, I'll say for my own experience, uh, my sense of call was to validated ministry, uh, which has always felt to me like the um, it's like a mole. You know, most presbyteries seem to treat it like a mole that you get a little concerned about, but you just never call the dermatologist Mm. to really investigate. Mm. And they're always like, I know you're there, but I don't know. Should I? Should I investigate? And so, and it wasn't until like, I really started just saying, all right, I'm not going to wait. And I just started, uh, pushing forward that it feels like people have gotten a sense of an idea like, oh, that's what you meant. Oh, mm. I see. And it does feel like the church is continuing to notice more folks like you who are, you know, continue to push forward and go, oh, I, no, oh, I get it now. I see what you're saying. Right. And I still confuse people, right? Like I still confuse the heck out of people because, like, this is the work that I'm doing. And then they're like, but you're a youth director. True. Like, all of that is true. I still uh-huh. sleep on the floor and have an air mattress and, like, you know, travel. You got around. your go bag for mission. Got my go bag, go and, bag. Mm-hmm, with my teenagers and do the thing. I mean, all of that is all of that is fair. But um, I had a colleague recently <clears throat> who was like, you're not a normal youth director. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Thank you. I took that as a compliment. But I mean, I think what she meant was I'm having like conversations about like justice and liberation on a regular basis. I can also play a pool noodle game for sure. Um, but yeah, I I I live in those worlds pretty easily. Um, and and not all and 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 this is what I've like my working theory. <laughs> that'll now be on the podcast forever and ever. But my working theory is, you know, that, that we, and I mean like 
systematically we i mean like like globally we right maybe maybe nationally we have this expectation of youth workers that is like you're gonna play games Mm -hmm. 35 Mm -hmm. percent of the time and then you're gonna throw in some bible study 20 percent of the time and then you're gonna eat and then you're gonna pray but then probably there's another game right and if you mess with those percentages it really throws people off Mm -hmm. they don't know what to do with you right messing with you know people's expectation of anything uh especially when it's something that's been around you know since the 40s uh you know it's like no that's what why why are we doing this new different thing now all of a sudden uh and i think that (laughs) for the most part like that's a really healthy thing to do is to continue to you know switch things up every couple of years <laughs> because the world doesn't like you said the world doesn't stop or slow down you know the world isn't going to wait for it to be the 60s again right um I'm, we're back in the 90s though now and i don't <sighs> having lived through the 90s like as a teen pre-teen yeah. they love the 90s. 90s right now it's crazy it's, it's really it it hurt it's hurting my heart like a lot (laughs) i had a youth ask me if they could play peaches on a mission trip and i said like presidency united states of america peaches and they was like do you know it like yeah bro did i have it memorized in seventh grade i know it (laughs) do you know that classic oldie hit peaches (laughs) i do have you heard of this old band the cranberries (laughs) i said come at me bro because guess what i know it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah the the 90s are fully back they they love yeah. it the gen z they love it i love gen z i will say they are they are i put a lot of hope in them delightful um, they're delightful <laughs> and i do whatever i can to support them same I'm, i love them so much like like talk about holy spirit like laughing in your face with your pl- perceived plans for your life and your ministry, right? Never, ever thought that I would be doing college ministry, right? And here I am in year four, (laughs) year four of college ministry. Um, But like, I think if this is, if I had start like been kicked into college ministry at any other time in my ministry career, I would have been like, nope, done. You all are, no, but I love, Gen Z is awesome i love working with them like oh i love you i stand you oh my god i'm gonna get so much flack (laughs) you are like they're it's so enjoyable (laughs) they are i'm an old millennial who loves this who loves gen z and like i i will literally make make their dreams happen oh yeah whether that be burning the world down so we can start over or, you know, needing a fancy donut to make their afternoon feel better. Like correct. All of those things from that scale, fancy all. donut to burning the world down. I will help you. I will help yeah. you. And I'll this year you. more than ever, both have been wildly achievable. <laughs> and I think, uh, you know, Sarah's donuts here in Decatur as well and sublime as well as uh, Australia and San Francisco both be. Ooh. I always forget that earlier this year, Australia <laughs> was on fire. Is it true? Is it though? Because I forgot that Because it was Colorado's this year. having some fires right now. Yes. See? So it's just making its way. It's making its way around. And then the, but done. World burned and start over. 
They are, I know, I love them. I love them and I tell them, and as an elder millennial, I raised my hand earlier, like yeah. the listeners could see me. Um, but I'm an elder, because I'm old. Should I just start calling it out? Because I'm old. Um, <laughs> but I'm an elder millennial as well. Um, you know, like I need like a lumbar pillow. I mean, I'll drive you to whatever you need me to do to whatever rally protest it is. We yeah. will have to, I will have to take like my lumbar and my, and make sure that I have my signs and I have my, my water and yeah. my chair. First, like, that's all going to happen. And the first aid kit, it, like. Oh, the, for sure. The, if we want to talk about first aid kits, I can, I do have a rant about those as well. When I, you kids want to get your signs down to the rally, we're going to yeet racism. <laughs> exactly. So, so when I went, the racism. last March, I, protest march I went to, I had my little like backpack. Um, or my little satchel that had a first, (laughs) yes, yes, of course you did. Well, and I like (laughs) someone has to think of these things, someone has to think of them. I'm the mom for all the Gen Zers who did not think to bring these. Well, and that's so that's my role, right? Like, that's my everyday, like, that's my professional role. And so, when I do it, you know, like at a protest or a rally or whatever it is, then I'm automatically in that space anyway but i was on zoom with my youth the other day and i was like okay let's talk about we talk about systematic racism fair amount systemic racism and we were talking about racial injustice and and i was like so you know these systems and what do we need to do and one of my youth just let some time lapse and then she was like dismantle the systems i was like all right well i think we're good let's uh (laughs) you know like these are the responses are just dismantle the systems smash the patriarchy I'm like, all right, so next week uh, we'll talk about Job and um, hope you guys have a good week. Let's pray out, you know? <laughs> I think that's what's so fascinating about Gen Z right now is that they're watching systems that do not benefit them Correct. crumble. And they, since they have no vested interest in their survival, it's not as big a deal to them that something should drastically should change so it is a lot easier and i think to a certain degree like before you can start voting you're like every generation to some degree like gets mm-hmm. to that point where they're like well none of this is benefiting me because i who could start a 401k when they're 18 years old you know who right. could why why do i need to care about these things but more i think more so this time mm-hmm. uh like those goals that used to be probably achievable get further and further away. It's like, well, why would I even, why would I even want to continue supporting this thing that is not going to reciprocate that support back to me? Right. And isn't benefiting my neighbors and isn't like sharing. It's not just personal. Right. right. Yeah. They're they're seeing their friends. Outward focused and like not, you know, not practicing what they are hearing Jesus say, like not sharing the love of God and neighbor. Um, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're ready to, to move on. Um, and mine want to vote, like, right. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. they are mad, right. That they are not 18. Um, it is a real conversation. They're like, I can't wait to vote. And so those are the people I want to be with, right? Like those are the people, that's why I'm like, I'll drive the car. I've got the first aid kit because it, because I'm, and I've been saying this for a while, like there were people who in Presbyterian of Arkansas, shout out, um, cared for me and were like slept on the floor 
did all the stuff, um, you know, helped me become like, we had a very active youth council growing up, which is why I do what I do now. Um, our colleague, Jeremy is very similar. We're at the same age and we did that. Um, and he's at university of the Ozarks being a chaplain, right? Like that's another example of a non-congregational call. Um, so, I mean, we do this because people did this for us. And now I've gotten to an age where I'm like, okay, the people that are 25, like in their twenties, mid twenties, especially like, how can I, can I gift you an air mattress? Here is, here is my favorite water bottle. Here is what I put in my go bag. Here is a curriculum that I think is beneficial. Don't use that devotional, use this one. And then peace be with you, right? Like make it your own because people did that for me. Yeah. And then at some point you pass it. And then I hope we continue doing that and getting better. Right. Um, Right. And it's not just the same old, same old. Sure. It's like, here are the tools that are available to you. I think that's the biggest thing that like I try to practice as a, a campus pastor and I hear this in you that's like, you know, I'm not I'm not here to like be like this is the only curriculum that you should be using, this is the only Bible right. that you should be using. I'm like here are all these resources which so many of these students just don't even know exist. It's like Right here's where you can go to learn about all these things. I think these ones are great. Um, So start here, but that's the beginning of your journey, which is um, also just fits in well with where college students are for what they're supposed to be doing all the time, right? Like that's what college is, is teaching you how to figure out stuff on your own. Right. Like Learning how high school to is learn. like High school is like, we're going to tell you what you're supposed to know. And then you get to college and you're like, figure it out on your own. There's the library. There you go. Well, and I think my role and my role professionally is in, and I've worked with the Presbytery in Arkansas. I did youth council stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, I like have done, I was a young adult volunteer. And so I moderated that stuff. Anyway, there's the moderating thingies that I've done, but what's, what's been always beneficial is saying, I need to, and I'm, you know, constantly like reminding myself of this because I'm an extreme extrovert, listening more and knowing I'm not the expert in the room and that we all bring knowledge, right. In a very like bell hooks, Parker Palmer type way. And that we, we come to this space um, as community, right? Like we're all members of the body of Christ and we all come to this space with knowledge and understanding. And there, I, I mean, people look to, if you're in charge, right. People will look to me and be like, what are we doing now? I'm like, well, my job is to empower and equip you to help you make decisions. Right. And I'm supposed to guide you. Um, but I've had you say, I had like a youth that I was pretty close to say, you know, as they were graduating, they were like, you know, I don't agree with everything you say. I'm like, cool. My job is not to make multiple teenagers in my image. That's not my job. (laughs) That's not my job. Um, My job is to put things in front of you that maybe you haven't thought about or have you think about it in a different way, or I'm going to give you some different tools or videos or something you maybe haven't heard of before that helps you grow in faith. Um, And then you help teach me things, right? Like I listen to you, teach me, I teach you. Um, I learn from the youth 
and their families all the time. Um, but it's, it's, you know, that's a, that's not, that model has not always existed. (laughs) Right. And in college ministry, it's a different thing, but like one thing that is beautiful is like justice unbound, right. What they're doing at the denomination and what Lee is doing and has taken it to a different level. Um, I mean, personally, I love Lee anyway, but as a colleague too, right. But as a (laughs) colleague, like, we had a really long conversation about this and I was like, I love the direction. You guys are offering really cool things. They're accessible. Um, they're thought provoking and they are focused on, you know, the gospel and what, what is happening in the world and social justice and gospel and those intersections. But like, if I were a college student today, I, I mean, I would want to know that existed, (laughs) but you know, It could very easily, you could miss those sort of things. Oh, super easy. Super easy. Yeah. Yeah, in college, you kind of get almost a little bit of tunnel vision where, you know, so many students are just focused on just graduating or just making it through the semester. Just trying to keep their head down and get through the course material let alone (laughs) deal with okay now there's another thing i need to look after um but Mm -hmm. this semester this year with online learning being so prevalent like students are like so sick of school because it all looks the same right yep and so like there's a real it feels like there's a real craving for just something else to stimulate that does not have to do with sitting in front of the computer on another zoom classroom and it's that connection piece right like it's it's these that's what i found with the youth and we were talking about this the other day is and you have to do it safely and that is fair and i'm i totally agree um but that's what people are craving is like we're missing those those times that happen in the hallway or on your way to class or like you pass somebody or, you know, you like, you happen to be like, I went to Wake Forest University and like the student union was one of those places where you would pass somebody and you'd be like, oh, I need to ask them that thing. Or yeah. I never see this person. And I did a lot of theater too. So I caught up with my theater people there. And, and that was, you know, that was great time to not be in your classroom headspace. But with I think, you know, like college is going to look different and what the college experience is going to look different after this. Um, but it's those connection pieces where you can't just like grab coffee with people right? and say, I read this chapter and it blew my mind. And also like this thing happened in my life and it was crazy. Right. Or just the like wandering across campus and running into someone that you haven't seen in like three weeks and you're like, oh my gosh, and you just chat on the side of the sidewalk for like 15 minutes and they're like, oh, wait, I actually have things to do. And then you move on. But like those random meaningful encounters are are missing, which mm-hmm. is is hard. So there is that yearning for something of substance. Right. That, brings you into communication with other people that aren't in your normal circles i think yeah yeah i've heard it said that a lot of uh like really close friendships are predicated on things like proximity Mm -hmm. frequency and stage of life like you're gonna naturally connect with people who are in the same stage of life with you 
You're going to naturally connect with people you see most often and people who physically just are the closest to you. Mm-hmm. And almost none of that is happening outside of college campuses right now. Like the very few who are allowed on campus mm-hmm. barely get to see each other. So yeah. proximity is and frequency are already, you know, moot. Mm-hmm. But then if you're off campus, I just... I'm very grateful that we're able to see the students as often as we do, yep. but I also really feel for them and the, how much they're able to see each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. Trying to develop those kinds of social outreach skills on your own. It takes a lot of time. Like it's a lot of practice. Yeah. Well, and this year in particular, like I know y'all weren't like, we're going to talk about COVID, but I don't know, you know, like I'm sure people are sick of talking about it, but <laughs> is there a thing going on? <laughs> it's hard is not to happening? talk about it. Are there a couple of pandemics happening? Um, so, you know, it's, it is collective grief and trauma. I mean, that is not original to me that like right. people have been writing about that. I didn't make that up. And, and like our lizard brains that are just like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die at any moment. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Right. So that's why people are <laughs> exhausted. And, and then like, you know, you have full-time job or you do full-time school or for the students who are working in school and, like trying to figure that out or living at home and like they were living on campus. I mean, that's a shift too, right? Is yeah. like, that's, it's, it's all exhausting. It's all, um, people are doing their best. <laughs> I really think people are just doing their best and offering grace and connection to people is where I feel like we can put a fair amount of energy yeah. In addition to like these other things we've talked about, like smashing patriarchy and dismantling oppressive systems. So it is all anyone can do to be like, I had coffee today and I read a book for class. And mm-hmm. also I did this thing that I think will make me a better human and make the world better. Um, I remember to brush my teeth <laughs> before putting on my mask. <laughs> right? It's just like... Yeah, I mean, I leave my place and I just think like, okay, do I have all the things that I need? Right. Where, what was it like before? I'd be like, do I have a mask? Just you this. could just walk out your door if you had your keys and your and a debit card. Like that's all you need. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a driver's phone. license if you're driving. Yeah, maybe your phone. <laughs> you know, but you didn't need it. It's true. You had you had it. Let's. I mean, let's be real. No one let's, left home without their phone. Let's be real. We didn't, uh, so, so our, the last um, person that we talked to, Hamilton Barnes, um, uh, who's also a Columbia grad, um, hospital chaplain, we we went on this long tangent about like who would play us in a Marvel cinematic buddy oh, comedy or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm, um, yes, it was mm-hmm. super great. Um, but buddy my, Chaplin movie. Yeah, Buddy Chaplin movie. Um, I know my, where you're going. <laughs> so my question for you, no, because I know you. My question for you is, uh, because of you, like, you're one of the, like, best, like, allies, activists I know. Also, like, you are, like, 
arts, you have a pantheon of icons that you and saints, cultural saints that mm. you hold dear to mm -hmm. your, your life. It's my Dolly Parton candle. Mm -hmm. And which you focus on. So can you give us top five? I, I'm not going to say top one. Top five cultural saints in which you just are the nearest and dearest to shaping who you are and who you love. Um, and we'll talk about it any moment that you possibly can. Go. <laughs> so hard, Sarah. This is the things when I was like, do you have anything you want to ask me? This is the question you could have sent me. Um, okay. While you wait, we shall turn to page 17 <laughs> in our People magazine. <laughs> Where we shall find who shall be the worst dressed and the worst dressed shall be the best dressed. <laughs> I'm sorry to put you on the spot like this. No. Like, even if you need to turn a top five into like a top 10 or whatever. Yeah. 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 So we, we're not super strict about these things. So I do have my Dolly Parton St. Candle um, present. So, so Dolly. Um, what do you, what do you sing when you light it? What do you, what's the ritual? I, I mean, like, really I anything. Love you, Jolene. Light of a clear Is blue it? morning. <gasps> yeah, okay. On the bridge was a real deep cut. Deep uh, cut. Have you watched the new documentary on Netflix? Girl, you know I, I mean, did. Well, okay, sorry. How many <laughs> times have you watched the documentary? I mean, the one time. So I'm, I'm on continuing education this week and I was like, things that I'm going to do in the evenings, Dolly Parton documentary. Um, so Dolly, um, Beyonce, um, Lizzo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm thinking Which about- supposedly like, she has a new episode with David, the David Letterman Netflix I thing. I saw that on her Instagram. I know. Um, I, yeah, so I'm thinking like the, so I went music immediately. Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda is, is one of mine. I'm a big musical person. Um, so, I mean, you know, people like. Did you call him Lemonwell Miranda? No. Is that Lin what I heard? Manuel. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, Lin-Manuel, if you're listening, I didn't say that. No, um, and uh, but people like norm lewis and gavin creel like i've traveled to see gavin creel in musicals <laughs> like i love him um it's crazy gifted um so so like in a in a musical type way you know i have some of my my favorites there um this is a really hard question sarah i'm sorry <laughs> uh. But those are, yeah, I mean, you know, I love the Gaga. I did go see her in Chicago at Wrigley. That was a, like, once-in-a-lifetime incredible experience. She's also a theologian that I use for my pop culture and theology little spiel that I do. Um, so she has some, she has some uh, theology that I, that I really enjoy. Uh, a little feel Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, those, I will talk about, you know, like Andrew Rannells is another like Broadway person who I, I adore. Um, you know, I, I spend, I spend a fair amount of time, um, listening to Brene Brown and her podcast. Mm -hmm. 
And so I recently just sent um, the Brene Brown and Laverne Cox episode um, of Unlocking Us to some to someone. And I just thought, you know, like if you want to talk about trans, um, like being a trans person in the world, like Laverne Cox is so smart and so sharp yeah. um, and so incredible. So I, yeah, this is easily a top 20, but, um, but people like um, Brene Brown keep highlighting different voices like Sonia Renee Taylor and um, Austin Channing Brown, I think is a theologian that is under-recognized author theologian. Yep. Um, so he I, is fantastic. Yeah. I get, I get a little ranty about some of these people um, because I think they're just so awesome. Um, Greg Ellison you know, in the theology world, and Eric Barreto can also say how much I love his writing. Um, so I know they're not really pop culture but I, I like, there are just people who have these incredible voices in our world. Um, I, I just like to, I get nerdy about it. It's like, <laughs> I go in a theology space. <laughs> like, I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I get real nerdy. It's it's all right. We're all nerdy about our own nerd things. And yeah, yeah, it's very acceptable. True. Did you did I say everybody you thought I was going to say? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't mind piggybacking off of this question by uh, having you weigh in on. Um, well, it's kind of a perennial uh, debate that happens upon the Twitter, the uh, rankings of the Chris's. Um, oh, I just had this discussion with someone. <laughs> Evans, it's, Hemsworth. I mean, but it's like Pratt it's like hot stuff now. Like it's yeah. like trending Twitter yep. conversation now because because things. And, like, and then like all the other actors weighed in, and they were like, "I think you're dogging people for the wrong reasons." I'm like, yeah. well, then what are the right reasons to dog them? <laughs> so luckily for you, I just had this conversation with someone. <laughs> Delightful. So, I'm so glad. Um, Chris Hemsworth, because I just, my brother and I were watching um, the Marvel movies chronologically. So um, Jonathan looked up, my brother looked up the chronology and then we just started like, we just like started it. And so my sister-in-law comes downstairs. She's like, what are you guys doing? We're like, we're watching them chronologically. <laughs> oh, so like when they, when they take place in, when they take place okay, in sorry. the MCU. Yeah. Ah, gotcha. It's like starting Captain America, then Captain Marvel and Mon. Yeah, Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And Captain Marvel is my favorite, but I mean, it, we went, we went through. And so my sister-in-law was like, are you guys still doing this? We we're like, yes, we have so, <laughs> like, of course we are. Um, Your eyes are bloodshot. <laughs> Are way too long i know it was like it was like way late and we, we but we had this goal um so i love chris hemsworth um, nine days later i know i love chris hemsworth but i also really appreciate how chris evans took a potentially really embarrassing situation and then in social media and then made it into a call to action to vote and i was like "Ooh, are you edging out hemsworth yeah is that what happened yeah um you know, I think Chris Pratt and I, we, we were in a good place during Parks and Rec. Um, one of my other favorite pop culture people is Amy Poehler because Leslie Nope is me and I am her. Um, but Chris Pratt and I need to have a conversation about like welcoming and affirming congregations and theology. That's the conversation he and I need to have. Yeah. Um, 
and then Chris Pine can sing. So it's Ainsworth is edging out Evan slightly, but it's ooh, it's tough. And then Pine because he can he he hopped into a movie musical like he hopped in. He did. I like I went to see and like went with it and hit it out of the park. What musical is he in? Into the Woods. Oh, true. Well, you know who should be in my top 10, because now I'm thinking about it more, is uh, Neil Patrick Harris. <gasps> so another quadruple threat. Um, but uh, he also is a musical guy, Drew. So and he, yes, he was so just. In- well, I, I know Neil Patrick. Neil Patrick Harris cemented himself in my psyche with Doogie Howser and then just I kind of never left. Uh-huh. Um, all his roles have been amazing. Uh, but he just, he is also, but he was in Hedwig seems... and the angry inch. Yep. It's like, I think yep. his Tony's performance. What was the get... nerd musical that they made? Like the, I'm not good at recalling titles of things. The, like when he's the crazy scientist guy. Oh, Dr. Horrible <laughs> sing along blog. Yes. Dr. Horrible sing-along. yes. <laughs> I, I've seen that a fair amount. Mm. Oh, that that <laughs> deems a, a rewatch. Yeah, it does. It does. What plot did was that initially out on YouTube? Was that like no? A, a, it was pre YouTube because I you had to go find the website. They were on a writer strike. Joss Whedon like yeah. wrote it during this whole writer strike situation. Yeah, maybe not pre YouTube, but like right at the. Oh, that's my wife. I know. I was background. saying hi, and uh, she's trying to be. You know, sneaky and <laughs> discreet, but that's our laundry room behind me. Uh, this is the everything. In your studio. Everything else happens in here room. Um, <laughs> we have the living room, the kitchen, and then... The everything room. Where do we put it? In yeah, the everything exactly. room. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, like it's those it's those sort of like pop culture brilliant things um, that I really love. That's a really good example of like weirdness that happened out of necessity because Joss Whedon like had to make it happen. And Neil Patrick Harris was like, yeah, we're doing this. And then yeah. it's just brilliant. It's so good. Yes. If you had one idea that you were like, this is a thing I want to have happen. Uh have you thought about that? Do you have one of those things where you're like, I would love to see this thing happen? Apparently somebody took my million dollar idea that was also sending care packages that you could customize. That was my other million dollar idea that somebody obviously thought of as well. That you'd be like, someone's sick, put a granola bar and a balloon and do send it. They're what were some nice. of the customizations that you had you had conceived? Well, I mean, there's a thing. Okay, so... Like in COVID time, I'm I, what I'm doing is I'm sending people like cookies and pizza in their locations. <laughs> so as if people are sick, um, COVID or not, um, or if you, other things are happening in the world, right? Like people are in car accidents and they're having yeah. like cancer diagnosis and like other things are happening other than COVID. So I'm like, oh, is there a bakery locally that could send some croissants? <laughs> like I'm like, do you deliver? And I'm sending things to people. Yeah. So it's those sort of things that'd be like baked goods, candy items, you know, like um, I like to send, I like to send people care packages randomly. So like games, I had a friend who uh, had top surgery cause they were transitioning and I was like transitioning top surgery care package. So I like filled it with like t-shirts and glasses and fun stickers and candles. Cause like that's major surgery y'all. Yeah. So like, what do you need is you need some comforting stuff. Yeah. Uh, 
So I, I was just like, I think I would, you know, everybody likes to get candy in a fun mug and like, you know, cool stickers, a book. You can, it's customizable, Drew. Like you can yeah, choose your own adventure. See, I think you're a much nicer person. You're like, <laughs> you're better at this than I am because I would be conceiving of care packages like just putting, filling a shoebox with uh, chopsticks and then Ikea manuals and being like, figure it out. It's a fun afternoon. It's a furniture puzzle. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they're like, uh, you know, what do I do with this? And people are just sitting, you know, people come over later and they're like, what's with the shoebox full of chopsticks? (laughs) And they have to tell them like, it's this idiot. Can I just Um, say this conversation like fully displays both of your Enneagram numbers? Like Sarah's like blasting out Enneagram 2 right here and Drew's full on (laughs) Enneagram 7. Like... Oh yeah, you're a seven. Okay, I'm gonna make this interesting. <laughs> right? No one needs this. And I'm like, okay, here's a photograph I found of your mom um, from 1964 on the internet, and I put it in a frame, and and it's in your box, and I know you've never seen it, but it's her high school graduation photo, and it's, and I I've sent it to you. I did a 23 and me for you, and <laughs> I took it upon myself to do one of those baby collage pictures yeah. where I put your face, but not with anyone you know. It's Chris Hemsworth. Oh, I just wanted to see what you and Chris Hemsworth would look like together. I sent it on to you. Yeah, I know. It is. I needed, and I needed your dog a sweater because it's winter's coming up. Here winter's coming, and I was very concerned. Um, Here's a prototype of some land skis that I came up with. Skis that you don't need snow for. Oh just wheels gosh. roll down. So have fun. <laughs> I sent you something from the IKEA to put together. Oh, you don't? You can't put it together because you've had recent surgery. I'm also driving down. Just so you know, I'll be at the Hampton Inn. It's fine. Here's all my information. Here's the check-in. I'll see you at 9:30. Like you sit inside. <laughs> I'll sit outside. I'll look at you through the window while I put your oh, yeah. chopstick IKEA furniture together <laughs> yeah. for you. Yeah. retreat once and they were watching netflix i was like what are y'all watching you know just to like check in because i'm an adult um and in in the arkansas i was like what are y'all watching and they were like planet earth and they were that's what they were doing is that it's like like, okay (laughs) don't tell mom and dad we're watching planet Earth. don't tell my parents they just want to be together that's the thing like they just want to be together which yeah. is like, which is why, which also makes this whole COVID thing real hard. Cause I'm like, the college students want to be together and the youth want to be together. And I, you just, I, I do, I, I definitely have to remind myself uh, of that, that strong desire for community. Yes. Um, what, and it was so strong in me in college that we, none of us had a dorm room big enough to like, and the, all the community rooms at Middle Tennessee State were just, they oh, were they were bad State. yeah mtsu go big blue Fresh. and um they we took a bunch of uh black trash bags and like leaf bags and we taped them together and we legitimately inflated 
a black trash bag tent on the quad using box fans. And then we ran a, a super long power cord from the photography building on the quad and set up a big TV. This was pre flat screen. Oh. So someone's big tube television. Like they weigh like 500 pounds. Inflatable tent. Exactly. And someone brought bean bags and we were like, wow, we are really motivated to do all this, you know? And we're hanging out in this tent on the quad. Mm. We're like, I wit you know, first of all, no like just go find a place to hang out oh my god <laughs> that's a lot of work and it's a lot you know, of work but, but that was but that was how desperate you know like we all were to have a place to be <laughs> and to hang out together mm-hmm. um just to do like it and it didn't matter i don't remember what we watched i don't remember what we did but i remember the event you know and so planet earth yeah sure why not doesn't really matter what it doesn't just matter on. they just want to be together all right. Well, we can leave you. Do you have any words of wit? So we uh, we can ask this. Do you have any words of wisdom or parting thoughts or um, encouragement for college age students? Mm. Young people. They don't even have to be in college. Young people in that demographic age area. That hope is still a real for- force in the world. Um, and deeply theological and it is not um to not let cynicism and darkness um have the last word i think is my hope for like new generations and generations that are coming into um adulthood or that are in teenage world um is to own your voice and listen to um yourself and take care of yourself those are those are my main words is you don't have to do it all yep. take care of yourself and uh and use your voice well welcome. a good long conversation thank you sarah for joining us hey hey everyone thanks for joining us for another episode of the ukirk atlanta podcast if you like this you'll love our other weekly gatherings online For more information about our groups at Agnes Scott, Emory, and Georgia State, you can check out ukirkatlanta.com to sign up for our weekly emails and find out what's happening at your campus. That's ukirkatlanta.com.